This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiaka's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiaka, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. We're proudly coming to you through the ever-expanding X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and we can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring gratitude. All religious and shamanic traditions tell us that gratitude is the great transmuter. The high-frequency expression of gratitude can change disadvantage into advantage. Anything blessed with gratitude is enhanced by it. Consider the universal concept of saying grace or giving gratitude for a meal before eating. In so doing, we raise the frequency of our food, making it more nutritious, easier to digest and absorb. Gratitude for the events of our lives can shift our self-perception transforming us from being victims of circumstance into powerful co-creators. We can whine about difficult things that have happened to us, tenaciously clinging to our hurt, or choose to be grateful for the lessons and strengths these events have provided. As long as we cling to resentment and remain unappreciative, we cannot reap the vast rewards of our trials and tribulations. If we're not grateful for things we acquire, we never really fully receive them. Instead of owning them, they burden us. Individuals brought up in consumer-based societies are trained to disregard the importance of gratitude. In effect, this keeps us in constant state of perceived lack, always seeking more, the perfect consumer. Because we're unable to acknowledge that we have given by given gratitude, we never are really sustained, nurtured, or feel that we have anything. The same is true of our physical bodies. We're conditioned to believe how we look isn't good enough. We need to be slimmer, taller, shorter, have a flatter stomach or a larger chest to be acceptable. This negativity is projected onto our bodies rather than gratitude for their great service to us. 
Is it any surprise that eventually our bodies become ill when subject to the low frequency of negative judgment rather than the high frequency of gratitude? We're all faced with a stunning dilemma. We must have gratitude to heal, and only healing brings true gratitude. So how does one get beyond this paradox? Fake it until you make it. Act as if it's so, and so it shall become. By watching our internal dialogue and replacing our destructive messaging with grateful thoughts, we can start to turn the tide of negativity. Our thoughts and words have amazing power and create what they advocate. When we catch ourselves thinking negative things about our process, our lives, our bodies, it's very useful to speak the antidote out loud. By voicing the correction, we further empower its ability to cancel out the low-frequency thought form. For example, I may look in the mirror and hear myself judging against the fact that my legs are admittedly too long for my body. If I catch myself and state out loud, my legs are long, strong, and shapely, they get me where I want to go, I'm grateful for them. I've not stated a lie, just reframed the criticism I grew up with. Eventually, this will reframe my experience as well. Most all traditions have a provision for nighttime prayers of gratitude. There's much wisdom in this practice. Our thoughts and judgments have a greater impact on us when we move from beta brainwaves to alpha, theta, and finally into delta. We're most susceptible to suggestion during the transition from waking to sleep. What we think as we're going to sleep has a great impact. Conscious, prayerful gratitude at bedtime can make all the difference in what we manifest through our dreams. Our guest this hour, Victoria Pendragon, is a survivor of a child and youth riddled with sexual abuse. In her 40s, she escaped death from the usually fatal and curable disease. Victoria has led a 16-year career as a hands-on healer, a decision that opened her heart, soul, and mind to the intelligence that guided her body in its healing. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Victoria, and together we'll explore the transforming power of gratitude and the magical world of sleep, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Prior innovative episodes can always be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called RISE, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say, it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to 
johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha and I'll see you in mystical Maui. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is author of Sleep Magic, Surrendering to Success, Victoria Pendragon. Her website, victoriapendragon.com. Victoria, thank you for joining us on the Science of Magic. Thank you for inviting me, Gwilda. So now that I've gone on for six minutes about gratitude, do you see gratitude as an important part of healing? And if so, would you mind telling us why? Well, if I, if I may, I'd like to say that I see gratitude as an important part of being alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I can't even begin to say how much it's a part of healing. I think it's absolutely essential to be good. It's essential partially because the body itself is so open to everything that comes through you, not just the the food you take in and the air you breathe, but the thoughts you think. And so it's, it's open all the time for whatever is coming in. If gratitude is coming in, you're changing everything. You're, you're creating a positive atmosphere in which the body may be able to do things that people didn't think it could even do. <laughs> you, know, how, you know, I think people struggle with having you know, gratitude for the hurtful things in our lives. So how, how, do you, how do you turn that corner? How do you learn to transmute the way you're thinking about the things that have been hurtful and damaging in your life? Well... This is certainly a, a tricky issue because people, a lot of people have been taught that, for instance, um, if you have been hurt by other people and in any form of abuse, that you have to forgive. And they say, you know, forgive these people. Some people outright say you have to love those people. Well, it's almost impossible to love someone who has hurt you grievously um, just outright. And so what I came to in the beginning of my own healing process was simply to say, again, as you, you talk about saying things aloud, was simply to say out loud, and I remember where I was standing out the window looking at the trees when I first said it, I am opening myself to be able to forgive. And just saying that, my body got the message, and as time passed, and interestingly, some of the, one of the most important aspects of this happened in, in dream, in sleep. I did, in fact, open to forgiveness, and in doing so, then began to see how 
if the things that had happened to me had never happened to me, I would not have been able to help all of the people that I've been able to help. And with the books coming out that, that Ozark Mountain has published, um, I, I don't even know how many people that is. I have no idea. It's a lot. So do you, think, do you think that holding on to resentment rather than embracing gratitude can contribute to our illness? And if so, oh, absolutely. how? Absolutely, I do. Um, it, anything that is a negative feeling or a negative emotion, and feelings and emotions are, as you probably know, different. Um, holding on to the negative does not provide a positive ground. And change for the good can only happen in a positive arena. Much like you can't expect to grow a very good crop if you're planting your seeds in, let's say, cement. It's not a a proper ground for things to grow. Only positivity can bring positive change. It's rather logical. So what's the difference between negative, positive, and neutrality? Neutrality is perhaps not a bad state. It is, as as the name would imply, a kind of neutral state in which at least things are getting no worse but probably getting no better. You're not really providing any energy there, and so it's stasis. But to be negative about something is to bring an energy of shrinking, cringing, um, molding, dying, things that are not life-enhancing. Negative things do not enhance life. Positive things do. They provide an energy in which things can grow, change, prosper. It's difficult, and once one is in negativity, change becomes difficult because the energy is sluggish, almost... um, Stubborn, I'd say. In, in positive energy, that doesn't exist. One may become determined, but not stubborn. There's a big difference. Yes, there is. So your, your books are on healing. Where did you get your training uh, around healing? Oh, my. Well, hmm. I am imagining that it started with my own healing from scleroderma, because that's not supposed to happen. Um, I was given six months to live after I had been in the disease process for about, I guess, eight months or so. And um, at that point, things began to change for me. I at first got really angry and was very much lodged in a negative energy because I was in a lot of pain. It's very difficult to be positive when you hurt so much that you cannot even bear to sit down because your your skin feels like it's on fire. Um, I can't, I, I have no words to describe the pain that I was in. It was unimaginable. And so it was difficult to be positive. So I, for the beginning of my my illness was furious with the universe, just furious, because I hadn't had an easy life. And I woke up every morning and greeted the sun each day with gratitude, well, and perhaps hope and expectation as well, because I would think, well, maybe today everything will change. And it never did, but I never stopped that. And so when I got this horrifying illness that was now going to kill me, I was pretty negative. And all of a sudden, one morning, I awoke from a kind of a stupor because I had, as I said, I'd always awakened in the morning, even in the beginning of the illness, and, and thought today, you know, maybe this will change. I'd look out at the sun and as it rose, and I would imagine light coming into my life. And 
just as I was stopping that, because I thought to myself, what am I, what am I hoping for? This is hopeless. Nothing is going to happen. One morning, the sun woke me up, and I just I leapt out of bed. I threw my hand up to the ceiling, which was unheard of, because I could barely move without being in excessive pain. I mean, excessive is not even the right word. But, and, and I said out loud again, make me an open channel. And I, then I was like, what? What did I just say? What did I just do? What just happened? And I went downstairs and I immediately painted the image that I had seen when that happened, which was a, a rather bland image of, of a kind of a prairie land almost with seven bushes growing on it. And underneath that, there were words. And the words said, seven reasons to live. And I didn't know what that meant. But something had propelled me. And I think it's that something that began my understanding of what healing was. My understanding of healing started with my own healing and the realization that my dreams were bringing me something and I needed to pay attention to it. I needed to focus not on the pain, not on the discomfort, not on being angry, but on these gifts that I was receiving when I was asleep. Because previously I had been angry about them. Because I said, why can't I have this when I'm awake? I don't want this when I'm asleep. And whatever this happening was, it opened me to the fact that I needed to be more aware and grateful for these dreams, that they were bringing something at a very important level. And at that point, everything started to shift. So, and um, shortly, um, I, I understand what you're saying, and, and I, I totally agree with you about how, as you know um, from my intro, how what we go to bed with, what our dreams are, what our attitude is, can help our personal health. But what I'm asking is, where did you, you know, why did you? What gives you the authority and the training to work with other people's health? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I would say that that's, that is exactly what gives me the authority and the training. However, I did, after at least six of the alternative healers that I had worked with told me that I was a healer, I had another one of those experiences, and it was years later, um, probably about three years later after that original one. And again, it was another mystical experience, and a, a, a body of light appeared in the room where I was and told me that I had to share what I had with others. And so, um, would after you mind getting telling... some validation from that, if you'll let me finish, I'll, I'll get into the training. Um, after, after that, I thought to myself, I cannot just go out into the world knowing what I know and say, come on over to my house, I've got some good energy and I can help you. And thus began the training first in Reiki, then in magnified healing. I, I've got masters in both of those um, and numerous other um, healing practices that I got certification in. Which were, which were those? Besides the magnified healing and the Reiki? Uh-huh. I'd have had to get my certificates out. They were usually like a weekend workshop in something, and I've forgotten the names because, frankly, they were things I was getting because I knew I needed to have the certifications. Okay, so and I you... don't mean to sound I don't mean to sound egotistical, but I was sort of it felt like I had been created by the disease process and the healing from it to be what I was, which was very much a shamanic healer. Now, Reiki isn't a, is thought of as a shamanic way of healing, but because, because of my experience with the abuse that began when I was in, in, in big 
in big quantities when I was four years we're old. Going to, we're going to have to take a break, Victoria. Um, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Victoria and I will return to our discussion. We are coming to you through the land of leading-edge paranormal broadcasting, the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. We'll be back shortly, so don't you go away. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying... Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. 
I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is the author of many fine books, including Sleep Magic, Surrendering to Success, Victoria Pendragon. Victoria, would you please define, you mentioned you were told you were a healer. Would you tell me what a healer is exactly? Um, I can tell you what I think a healer is. I think that a healer is a person who assists another person in opening to their own healing energies. So how does how does that make one of us different from the other? Can't we all do that for each other? Absolutely. That's my four, my what one do my third book for Ozark Mountain. It was called Born Healers. I believe we we all, I believe that's what we're actually meant to do. So to, to uh, heal each other in our daily interactions with the other people. So if we approach each other with a positive outlook and that sort of thing, is that is that the healing that we offer each other? Yes, I suppose it is in, in, in its simplest terms, yes. Because I also don't think that any of us has any right to, for instance, send somebody healing energy when they haven't asked for it. But I think that to be a presence that someone can, in a sense, draw from is perfect. So do you think that um, as healers that we should advise other people? Um, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get the ballpark. Where does our responsibility lie? Where does our responsibility for um, encouraging people to go to mainstream medicine? How do you, how do you dance with all that? I, I think I have a sort of a common sense approach to it, which is that explaining to people that what I am essentially is a channel for energy that their bodies will do with what they feel they can do with it. And I, if it seems that they should be seeing a doctor, I I would recommend that. I I've had people lying on my table and felt something and said, "Go to a doctor. <laughs> you need to get medical help now." Um that's happened. Oh, it's it's a matter because my because my ability, one of one of my abilities with the actual technical aspects of healing is that I because of the abuse, I learned to go inside people to feel what they needed to feel what they wanted um, because I had to get get them off me. Um, so what that translated to when I stepped into healing work was that I could feel what was going on inside people's bodies. And when I felt something that was, let's say, malignant or clogged in a very physical way, I would say, I think you need to see a physician about this. Okay, so that said, I also provided whatever energies I could if they seemed to be being absorbed by something and moving around. I just let that happen. Again, I don't direct things. I just provide energy so that the person's body can do what it needs to do. And if it feels like it's doing it, good. If it feels the resistance, then I know that something's something's wrong. Something needs to be attended to. And then I'm going to say, you need to go to a doctor. So are you 100%? I mean, how, how can you be sure that you're, what you're reading is clear and that you're not reading some of your own stuff? How do you, how do you make that discernment? Because I'm, you know, I'm an empath, too, and I know that one of the major things you have to dance around is, is this mine or is this the person's? Am I making a judgment call for this person? Maybe they need this illness. Maybe this is part of their path. How do you tell that? Well, I think everybody's illness is part of their path, or they wouldn't have it. I think that's for sure. Um, and as to whether it's mine or not, the things I feel are very physical. It, it literally physically feels to me when I feel something in a person's body. I am feeling a physical thing. It's not a, it's not a, a feeling in the sense of an emotion kind of a feeling that's going through me, or it's not a thought... A thought might pop into my head, but then I'm going to know, oh, that's a thought popping in my head. But it's rather like, let's say you, somebody has a bad bruise, 
and you put your hand on it, and it's hot to the touch. I feel in that way, but I can feel inside the person's body. Yes, in that I, way. Uh-huh. Yeah, I understand this, and I've experienced it. But there also is a resonance that can set up. In other words, uh, we may have something going on in our body that we're not all that aware of, when we get around somebody else that may or may not have something similar, we can get a resonance in our own body. So part of it is ours and part of it is the other person's. Are you able to tell the difference? And if so, how? Hmm. How? Yes, I know what you're talking about, about the, about feeling that resonance. The how of it, I don't think I can put into words because that's at a also at a physical level um, and some and it, it's like a uh, just under the level of conscious recognition is what I'll call it and then you know then then I have to um, if I'm working on this person I have to either sieve it out or possibly I did have one occasion where I, I explained to the client that I couldn't work with them because I couldn't get a clear discernment. How much do you think that your history um, of sexual abuse is still affecting you? And have you, have you cleared it? And if so, how? Oh, at this point in time, I would say that I have retained the gifts that it bought me which is to say that I, that I still retain that. I haven't been doing hands-on healing for about six years now because I've devoted my efforts to um, putting what I know into book form so that more people can have it and have it free, you know, essentially very inexpensively so that they can, can work on themselves. Um, and the, re- the way that, that it has um, cleared in me for the most part has been with sleep magic, which is why I wanted to write the book. I was, I've been so impressed by the, um, the absence of the kinds of reverberation that I used to get from things uh, that I just knew it was good. And so I started u- u- taking my hands on clients and having them try the sleep magic themselves, helping them to helping them to figure out how to write this, how to write that, how to put that into words so that they could talk to their bodies. And to a person, every one of them noticed even more change than when they had been working with me. And so I, I would have to say that at this point, I feel I retain only the gift. It's, oh, I found it interesting. It's the first thing in your bio. It feels like it's still very present with you, and that's why I asked. That is for other people to see. That is so other people can resonate. If I started off saying, what a wonderful life I had, you know, <laughs> if you're hurting and you've had massive abuse, you're un- I know that, at, that I, at that time, would have been unlikely to go, Oh, yeah, I can get there. I wouldn't have thought so. So I open with the worst-case scenario. This is, this is what's lousy. This is what was bad. This is what was wrong. Do you find that... I'm sorry. Do you find a combination of working on sleep magic? I really, I really resonate with what you're putting into your psyche as you go to sleep is really carrying an impact. Um, do you work, do you interface with psychotherapists um, and psychologists as well when you have somebody that's really been traumatized so that they're supported on both sides of that equation? Absolutely. Absolutely. All the support a person can get um, is, is a good thing. I, in fact, I tell people often, if you can, if you want to do sleep magic, I recommend finding a psychotherapist who will work with you with this because that outside neutral view can help a lot for somebody. You know, because, you know, you don't, you don't, it's hard to see yourself. And a lot of people, what sleep magic does ideally is begins to open a person up to the things that, that they haven't seen, that they haven't known were there, and like, oh, my heavens, I've got to work on that. 
But if you've been very, very, very wounded in the beginning, you're going to need somebody else to say, oh, have you ever considered this? Have you considered trying that? It's very helpful. I, I worked with psychologists in the beginnings of my healing. Yeah, you thank, thank goodness for them, you know, because having that outside educated um, input is so useful when you're kind of lost in your own stuff. And that's the other thing that I, I wanted to ask is I do find that with myself and with others, when you start putting in the positive stuff, it starts percolating, percolating out the negative. And that can be a bit overwhelming, can't it? Yes, it can. It absolutely can. And even at at this point in my own journey where I feel as though um, the abuse stuff is gone, of course, I was an abused, unhealed person for over 40 years. And what begins to come up then, after you've healed, is all the damage that you did when you weren't healed. <laughs> and that is a heavy weight to bear. And and then and you may need assistance. I, I see a shamanic healer myself because stuff happens, stuff comes up. It's like, oh my heavens, how could I have been so dreadful? And and you know how you could have been so dreadful. You were a wounded person. You had no other way to be. But help is always good. <laughs> <laughs> So where where the shamanic people you work with, where where were they trained? What what culture are they from? Um, the person that I'm working with now, I'm very, very, because of having shamanic gifts myself, I'm really persnickety. And the person that I'm working with, I, she has told me where she's trained, and I have seen her certifications, but I don't retain them in memory. I have no need to. I'm satisfied with her integrity, which is tremendous. It's good. It's not easy to find a well-trained shamanic person because we've almost eradicated it off the planet. I know. Well, it took me... I moved from um, the New Jersey-Philadelphia area down into the hills of West Virginia, and it took me six years to find somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy to find. But fortunately, it's making a resurgence. That's the good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to have to take another break, um, and we'll take up with shamanic healing, how it interfaces with sleep magic on the other side of this break. Victoria and I will be back shortly. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're brought to you by the leader in paranormal, spirituality, and alternative health programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 
401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gloria Wiecka. Our guest this hour is the author of many fine books, including Sleep Magic, Surrendering to Success, Victoria Pendragon. Victoria, we were going to talk about how shamanism and sleep magic interfaces and how they enhance each other. Ah, okay. Well, hmm... Are, now, are you are you talking about how, for instance, a person doing sleep magic might also work with a shaman, or I'm it's not exactly stri- clear. Well, yeah, we can do either one, but it strikes me that they actually have a fair amount in common, because when you're working in a shamanic practice, you're working with different um, uh, dream states, different alpha brain waves, say, for instance, your brain waves are shifting, and that's the same thing that goes on when you go into sleep. So how are mm-hmm. the two similar, and how can they support each other? Okay, well, I think one of the one of the ways is it's so interesting you brought that up. I never really thought of it as as uh, as so, and certainly it is uh, one of the ways that you could make them work together, for instance, and this may sound odd, but I am 
um, right now on my bed, where on the side where I sleep, I have a couple of, I guess you might call them totem animal symbols, and they're on my side of the bed. And I consider them to be, in a sense, charging that area for me because they are bringing their energies there. And so when I am lying there at night, I feel as though I have had my, my totem animals charging my space for me. And then I am bringing sleep magic in. At this point in my life, I don't need to do sleep magic every night. I certainly did for many years. But at this point, it's a, it's a luxury I have for honing my skills as I'm also an artist. And last night I took stuff about painting in. But every morning when I get up and I make the bed, I very consciously bring out these different pieces that I have. One of them, which was given to me via one shaman from another shaman in South America to charge my space. So there's, there's that possibility. I mean, that's certainly one way of looking at it. Had you thought of something else? No, that was good. Um, I'd like to talk about how we charge our space. Um, so what, you know, just help, help me and our listeners understand what you mean by charge our space with our totem animals. Okay. Um, when you have done shamanic journeying, for instance, to learn what your, your animal is, and I did a lot of that, especially in the early stages of scleroderma when I was um, still uh, dying. And I, it was discovered that I had numerous animals. And over time, they've shifted and changed. Every animal has a different kind of energy that it brings and you can there are all kinds of sites online where you can read about totem animals there are oh what's the guy whose books i love andrews ted andrews um has had wonderful books about animals and you read what energies they bring and so you get to you get to know them so when you are placing these perhaps objects or symbols in your space you're doing it consciously, which is to say you, are, you know you are placing the energy of, let's say, trust or the energy of creativity or the energy of, what is Badger bring? Determination. And you're bringing those into that space so that whatever you may need to teach you, support you, get you through the night, uh, is there for you in that space. And then they're, in, in my mind, they are, they are there throughout the day, just anchoring that energy in that space so that when I sleep at night, it's there. Is that, does that do it? Okay, I, I think that helps some. Our guest this hour is the author of Sleep Magic, Surrendering to, Succe- to Success, Victoria Pendragon. Her website, victoriapendragon.com. Victoria... Where did hands-on healing originate? I understand you have training in hands-on healing. Hands-on healing has been around since forever. I mean, it's, they, it, that's Jesus in the Bible, who, and you know, it is it is said that he said, "Everything that I do, you shall do, and more." And that he, he's the, he's the biggest, most well-known hands-on healer that I know of historically. <laughs> Yes, I think he was the greatest shaman that ever walked, but then that's my personal take. <laughs> what part did, uh, uh, of hands-on healing, what, what part did that play in you discovering how you healed yourself? Hmm. That's difficult to say. And, and I don't think, by the way, that I did heal myself. I think... Hmm. Like I mentioned before, I think I am, in a sense, being healed by something larger than myself. Maybe, I, I, I don't know. I have a very firm belief that there is no such thing as linear time, because there is no such thing as linear time, and that 
everything that we are exists at every moment. And I feel as though I am acting as a result of that and that the healing is coming from my timeline and possibly many places and many other sources and then everybody that assisted me. I mean, it's just, I, I, every, everything has gone into my healing. <laughs> I, I don't, I hardly consider that I healed myself. <laughs> so do you think we dream things into being if, if we're, if we're outside of time and space, basically, and uh, we set our intent, do you think that we literally dream our reality into being? I think that's a part of it. But, of course, I think that the thing is, whatever it is, it exists already. And so when you're, you may realize it through a dream, but it's there already. So it's already there and you're just choosing the path you take or your reality? How does that work? Yeah, mm-hmm. or, yeah your experience of it, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I think that you, you are able to connect easily with it or sometimes it takes more time. So, and, of course, I think the mind gets in the way all the time because if you're not clear, your mind will have you intending things that were, that were never on your timeline to begin with. So we're unconsciously dreaming up our lives. Is that what you're saying? When we're not conscious of what, what our mind is doing? Yes. Yes, because we're, we're tapping into that if we're allowing it. That's the, that's the way to live easily and effortlessly without you know, being disappointed and, and being able to be grateful for everything because you know it's come. <laughs> it was going to come. It's here. So we're literally dreaming our illness. Yes. Dreaming it into being. How does that work? How do we turn it around? I don't know that we necessarily do. I think that if it's coming, it's coming. And we use our dream state to assist us with learning what it is we have to learn from the experience that we've come here to experience. Life is, so, life is no picnic. <laughs> so, so you're saying that we come with a, an illness already programmed and it's just going to come to us? That's what we get? I think if we're going to, I think if we're going to, if that's what is on our, our timeline to have happen, it's what happens. And if it isn't, it isn't. I'm not saying everybody has that, but I'm saying that, that if, if you've got it, it was meant to be. And whether you heal from it or not is also meant to be. It, because it is what is. Interesting. I think our job, my, I'm, I am a, a big proponent of acceptance. Awareness and acceptance. And as you pointed out earlier about some other facet of the things we were talking about, you, you have got to be able to recognize, okay, is this a thing I fight? And fighting is a kind of a negative energy, so practically never. Um, or is this a thing I yield to? So, is this so a thing my, I'm supposed to, you know? My, yeah, my question here is, is, I'm still kind of struggling with this. You really believe that we come in destined and doomed to have an illness that we don't create it through our unconsciousness, but rather we come in with an illness programmed. I'm kind of lost there. I love that you say doomed. Um, I, I, I don't view illnesses as being doomed to something. I view them as an opportunity for learning something. I learn, I, my heavens, I would not have the amazing life I had today if I hadn't gone through that horror. Um, but it, it, it felt horrible at the time and I'm happy to say it was one, but I learned a tremendous amount. I think our whole approach needs to be, how do I work with this? Yes. What true. can and I get you, from, you know, this? time, time flies, Victoria, and we're out of it. Thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> our guest this hour has been author of sleep magic, surrendering to success, Victoria Pendragon, her website, victoriapendragon.com. This has been the science of magic. Remember, you can always listen to past thought-provoking episodes on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. 
Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you embrace gratitude in all things. Yeah.